Welcome to Shit Your Teenagers Won't Tell You, a podcast about everything you need to know about teens. I'm Kathy. And I'm Meredith. And we speak teenager. Uh, did we also mention that we're best friends? We've worked as admission officers, prep school administrators, and most importantly, have coached thousands of teens. In other words, we have seen it all. So join us every week as we give you the lowdown on all the shit your teenager isn't telling you. Because trust us, there's a lot of it. And if you don't know what to do with the teenagers in your life, don't worry. We've got your back. Welcome back, everybody, to another exciting, wonderful, information-filled episode of Shit Your Teenagers Won't Tell You. Hi, I'm Kathy. Your, hi, Meredith. I'm being your hype man over here. Doing Thank happy you. Dances if you're watching us on the YouTube. On the YouTubes? On the TVs? On the TVs, because we're celebrities now, basically. I, could, I don't know if you all know that, but like, we have a YouTube channel, so we're like famous. So much jokes. <laughs> so many of the jokes. <laughs> Isn't that how you become famous these days? Like TikTok influencers? Like, all you have to do is just start your own YouTube. Well, whatever. That's who we I are. I think you have to just, like, influencers. I, I think you just have to, like, record your workout sessions in the gym and then get, like, you, like, record unreasonably yourself. angry when someone walks <laughs> in the public gym across your phone. I think that's how it goes. No, you, like, record your smoothie, like, what I eat in a day, what, how I work out in a day, all my outfits for the day. I mean, like, ridiculous. We should do that. Stupid. <laughs> We're also influencers, but hopefully for more But we actually are, are bringing some content. Yeah, I hope so. Anyways. Today's content is a really cool – I love talking about this. So we are always talking with students about how they are spending their time outside of the classroom. Yep. And we get a lot of questions about activities that students should or shouldn't consider and what ought an extracurricular life look like for a student in middle school or in high school. Like, what do you do with them and how do you – choose between activities. What kind of activities even exist? So today's episode is all about extracurricular activities and why students should think about them, how they might want to think about them, what's on the menu of options. And let's be honest, because you know I like to drop, I'm like the dropper of the truth bombs. Here I was starting in a like very generative way. And 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 I know I'm going to truth bomb it right now. Because the parents are like, okay, listen, what do colleges care about the resume? (laughs) What do we got to do? Okay. Okay, and it's not so simple. Okay. Yeah, sorry I had to go there. Fine. Because that's what the people are thinking. I just Let's thought just it was say about it. like, you know, holistic enrichment, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like More jokes? More jokes? Mother? More jokes. And it is, I mean, it, it is. is. And I think a lot of, you know, I think one of the messages we have on this episode is that you shouldn't think about it in a transactional manner because... There's not a list of things that we could tell you to do that would magically make you a better applicant for X, Y, or Z college. Okay. I'm going to kick us off by saying, why do I think extracurricular activities are important? Just in general, right? Yep. Okay. Do it. So in other words, your kid's in school for eight hours a day, and you probably don't want them to then come home, go to their room, and like be on their phone for the till they go to bed, right? So we want them to ideally do some stuff outside of school. And why do we want them to do that? Okay, so here's why. I think extracurricular activities are an opportunity for students to find passions that maybe they already think they like and pursue them at a deeper level or discover new interests that they hadn't even considered before. Extracurricular activities are a chance to develop all kinds of different skills, Mm -hmm. teamwork, 
collaboration, human skills, people, human human skills, time tech, management, time management, organization, being responsible to like other people on a group project, being part of a team, being part of a team, all kinds of like really good, juicy life lessons come yep. from extracurricular involvement. They often get real skills. They go learn how to rock climb. They go figure out how to be build a robot. I mean, there's just how some to blow glass, cool, how to throw pottery. Yeah, there's some cool shit that comes out of extracurricular Absolute. Play activities. Play piano, play and, the guitar, write music. I have more. Just oh, kidding. Oh, boy. <laughs> Lord. So, right, we're not unidimensional as people. Children are not unidimensional. It gives them a chance to sort of try different things on for size and learn their interests at a deeper level. And, man, what a cool life lesson to learn how to start something and be a beginner. I think that's just so important in life is Mm -hmm. to learn how to be a good beginner, to not believe you have to be an expert at everything so you can't even try it. I started learning a martial art when I was in my late 20s. It was really hard because I had been sort of a little bit perfectionistic, I would say, prior to that. And maybe still. No, not you, Meredith. No. Mm -mm. So easygoing (laughs) all the time. (laughs) But it was like such an important lesson because now as I think about trying – Like, I'm going to start taking Spanish classes. I didn't tell you this. I love it. Because my Spanish has gotten so terrible. But that experience of trying something and being just, frankly, shitty at it in the beginning was so healthy for me because it makes me so much less afraid to try new things now. So it's just all kinds of just good life lessons that come from extra. It makes you a better human. Yeah, you're more interesting. You have more things that are compelling to you. And therefore, when you're... broad in your community. You find people, like-minded folks. You, I mean... And you find find people who are different. Yeah, you find people who are different. Yeah, there's just so many wonderful reasons to have an extracurricular life. Yes. Now, having said all of that. Okay, now Kathy's (laughs) going to bring us back. No, I'm not going to bring it. I'm going to, what is it that I'm trying to say? Are some better than others? Mm, That's a very good question. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't think some are better than others. And there are IECs, independent educational consultants, who will say, there are. And I don't buy it. Like Hmm. there are a lot of people, especially when you're working with high schoolers who like, I've talked about this on other episodes and I will be salty about it still, which think that research is the coolest thing in the whole world for every kid to be doing right now. Independent Hmm. research. That's weird. Right. So like, it doesn't matter what subject. It's not just like laboratory research. It's also research on history, writing a history paper in collaboration with the professor that your parents hired to do this with you. I mean, it is yucky. I don't like it. It's the ick factor on that is big for me. And having Village, I have so many companies contact me. Hmm. They're like, we are Harvard alums who are working with kids to write research papers to submit for publication, or we can connect you to graduate students or professors. Like there's companies doing this now because there's this idea that everybody at a high school level needs to perform independent research that's published in a a nationally recognized publication. Like I'm getting hot under the collar. Yeah. So it turns out that some activities are better than others. Well, that's true. That's a good point. Some activities are better than others. When you said that, I was like, I actually think there are some that are better than others. And the ones that are quote unquote better are the ones that I think push students into proximal zones of development, which I like to say that phrase a lot, but it's I really. It. What does that mean? Your proximal zone of development is when you leave your comfort zone enough to be stretched, to be challenged in, mm. novel, in novel ways, novel being an impo- operative word there, but you are not 
the demands on you are not so extreme that you yeah. are overwhelmed and flooded by yep. kind of an emotional mm-hmm. amygdala hijack moment. So finding flow. Finding for those of you flow. who are in, who are into that kind of stuff. We're I in mean, Silicon Valley. You're, you're, uh, yeah, I was like, do people know flow? I think they do. Yeah. The flow state is when exactly yeah. what Meredith is describing. So I think anything that pushes your child to either deepen an interest they already have and and sort of inch wide, mile deep, like discover that at different levels of sophistication or to push themselves out of their comfort zone and try something else whether or not that sticks for the next three years doesn't really matter. That's not really the point. It's about being willing to experiment. I also think it's really important for students to have activities that are not all solitary. They don't just play a, like, they don't just play tennis or just do, like, gaming in the room or just do something that's by themselves, where they have to really learn to work on a team, learn to answer to others, learn to collaborate, learn mm-hmm. to compromise. I think those skills are really important. Absolutely. One question that I get a lot around extracurriculars, especially as kids are getting older and getting into high school and the time commitment increases. Yeah. And you have to start making some choices, right? You can't do all the things. You can't do everything. Yeah, you can't do everything. You have to start making some choices. And what Meredith and I know for sure coming from schools with competitive athletic teams Mm -hmm. is that if you are a athlete at one of these high schools, that time commitment Well, you're probably playing year-round, right? You're probably playing high school season. You might be playing club season or some kind of traveling situation, you know, depending on – If you're playing at that level, yeah, potentially. If you're a varsity athlete, you know, and the practice and the da-da-da-da and the the double days and the – like some of my students that I work with, like water polo players, for example, like I'm like, dang, girl. (laughs) Yeah. How many hours do you have to be in the pool? (laughs) Too many. I actually think it's gotten out of hand. It's right? Okay, I agree. Thank you. If any of you are coaches out there, I mean, is it really necessary for varsity? Can we just all calm it down? Teachers need to calm it down, too. Everybody needs to calm it down. But sorry. (laughs) What were you going to say? Go ahead. Well, I was going to say I'm noticing what we're talking about, about the benefits of extracurricular activities. And the one sort of asterisk that I would say is that Also, it's important not to overpack your child's schedule because (laughs) I had a kid, I was coaching a kid last week, actually, and we were talking about phone. He's like, he recognizes that he's using his phone too much as a sort of distraction from doing work, being productive, feeling feelings, all the things, right? It's just, it's become quite his primary avoidant tactic. And his rebuttal back to me when I sort of confront him on that is, well, I just like, I would be bored without my phone. And what is clear to me, and he and I talked about it at length, is that he doesn't know how to be bored. He doesn't know how to sit with boredom. He doesn't know how to get himself out of boredom. He doesn't know what other things he likes. So also, let your kids get bored and let them figure it out. Absolutely. Kids these days, that phone, ugh, so easy to go to. That Very. just is, for so many kids, their go-to. So as parents... Getting your kids involved in other activities is a great way to get them off that phone and doing other things. But I would say as a general rule of thumb, busier teenagers tend to be healthier teenagers. Yeah. I think that's true. Yep. Agreed. Balance, you know, don't over don't over don't. overdo. Yeah. I want to make a point about the sports because one of the questions that I get a lot, and I'll ask it to you. You can answer it. One of the things that parents ask me all the time yes. is, well, the sports commitment is huge for my son or daughter. Yeah. And 
they're not going to get recruited to play in college. So so why are we doing it? Why are we doing it? Ooh, do you have thoughts about that? Because I actually have nuanced thoughts about this. Okay. But you go first. You go first. Well, you've, you've kind of led the witness. Have I? Yes. I'm sorry. It's okay. I have a lot of questions, as is my way, when usually people ask me those kinds of questions, I tend to counter with lots more questions that get them at some critical thinking and reflection. I would want to understand, first of all, I would want to talk to the child. I would want to bring the child back into focus. So if the, if the parents are representing this to me, I say, well, okay, what does so-and-so think, especially if they're 16, 17, 18 years old? You know, do they love it? Is this the thing that brings them joy? Is this where all their friends are? Is this mm-hmm. the thing that lights them up? Is this the thing that makes an otherwise stressful s- school schedule all worth it? Well, then to me, those are really important reasons to stay on the team, far more important than whether or not it's going to be used as a recruiting tool in the admission process. If they themselves thought that they were going to become a college athlete and something happened that makes that no longer a probability and they the child has sort of mixed feelings about continuing in the sport or has real earnest curiosity about other things, Yep. then like, great, drop the sport. Who cares? Like do other things, pursue that curiosity and see where that takes you. You know, if the whole activity started only because of its potential to get that child into college, I think that's a mm-hmm. dangerous foundation to begin yep. from. Yep, That's where the nuance comes in for me anyways. I feel like for kids who are spending so many hours playing a sport that doesn't actually bring them very much joy, they like it fine, right? They're like, it's fine. I'm yeah. good at it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's fine. I don't love this thing, but I'm kind of good at it. And so I want to see where it takes me. But it prohibits their ability to do anything else with their time because yeah. the, the the practice schedule is so rigorous. Then I'm kind of like, is it worth it? Oh, I don't know. That's a tough one. Well, to me, the question to ask in that scenario yeah. that parents need to ask themselves is my instinct to encourage my child to either leave or stay in X, sport, whatever, yep. music. Is that coming from my own anxiety about their ability to get into college or somewhere else. Ooh, drop that mic, Meredith. If you're, (laughs) right. I mean, that's just real talk. If the reason why you think your child should still be in baseball, despite the evidence that they don't like it, that they are not very happy in it, maybe they could play D3, but not D1, is that you think that that's the only way that they can get into college, we have other things to talk about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think For those kids, they really are missing out on opportunity to bring more joy into their lives. And I will tell you, teenagers need joy because high school is stressful. They need play. Yeah, yeah. Kids need to play. That's not any different at 17 than it was at 7. They still need to play. And extracurriculars provide that, even if it is a rigorous sport. There are plenty of kids who love it. Right, they don't mind the double days, and they don't mind the, For sure. the excruciating workouts because it does it's bring happy. them so much joy and happiness and connectedness. Like that is their thing, right? And I think that's great. Even if you're not getting recruited, it would be sad to lose such a fruitful part of your life, right? But I think that boiling it down to is it going to get us get my kid into college? is oversimplistic and not guaranteed. Like, even if you are, like, this is our strategy (laughs) all the way. Like, there's no guarantee. I have had kids go through the entire recruitment process with all sorts of promises that fall through in the 11th hour. 
Yep, they get screwed. They get screwed. Coaches are like, whoops, just kidding. We didn't have time. We didn't have room for you on the roster, so we didn't end up advocating yeah. for you in committee. Oh, really? <laughs> Happens all the time. It really does. And so, anyways, we could do a whole other episode. We need to get an athletic person onto the show. That's and true. Do a whole be, athletic that would be a good one. episode. But anyways, let's talk more about extracurriculars. Extracurriculars. <laughs> so I have some bias here. Like, I think that extracurricular it's just such good life experience. So... I would really encourage diversity of exposure when it comes to extracurriculars. And one of the things that I think is really important is when your child has to kind of work for it a little bit or earn it a little bit and or the nature of the activity is like not everything comes easily. So what's an example of I'm talking about? Getting a job. Get a job. Make your kids get jobs. Super important. They learn responsibility. They learn that like they're not in charge. Teamwork teamwork. Communication skills. They have to put up with some, you know, grouchy customer. They yep. often will build more empathy as a result. Resilience. They'll be kinder, nicer. They're like, oh, wow. Yeah. All the things, right? All Such things. good life skills. So I think I'm a big fan of jobs. And I but had- But can you put that on a resume, Meredith? Yes. Okay. Just, just checking. What a resume is. <laughs> <laughs> like, but do colleges care about that? So from a college standpoint- Colleges don't care if you were a swimmer versus working, you know, 20 hours a week at a store at Target versus volunteering versus this versus that. It's not really about what you did so much as it's about why you did it and what you learned and how you grew from the experience. So you Mm want to pick the activities that help you grow where you can talk about it in a 400-word essay when you're applying. Because you're going to be asked that question. You're going to be asked in interviews. (laughs) You're going to be asked – all the time, why did you do the things that you you did? And if your answer to, hey, I noticed that you became an Eagle Scout, like that's a lot of involvement. Why did you do that? And your answer is, my parents told me I needed to finish my <laughs> Eagle Scout award or or more commonly, well, I was, you know, I'd already been in it for so long and I was only, you know, 75 hours away from finishing my project. Like that's not moving. That's not compelling. That doesn't show me. Or I got the internship because it's my dad's company. Yeah. I worked, (laughs) I'm I'm pre-med and I worked at a hospital that like three people in my family work at. I know you, y'all, y'all. Don't snow plow for them. Don't snow plow. Let me give you a great example. I love this example. Ooh, I love it. And I love it already. So I had a student years ago who was super interested in engineering. So he had all of the engineering things. He took the hardest math and science classes, but he also had a real passion for the outdoors. So he became a part of the Marin Search and Rescue team. Love it. During high school. And I think that experience exposed him to different professions, different people. And he began to take on more interest in like, he was just very hands-on. So he wanted to learn one summer, he wanted to learn like machinery. He wanted, you know, a lot of shop classes don't exist in independent schools or they're being repackaged as makers at high schools or just getting rid of them, but they're being repackaged as like maker spaces that used to be called shop everybody. (laughs) Um, But anyway, they work on robots instead of cars now. Right, right, right. (laughs) So anyway, he was super interested. He's like, I want to learn how to weld. I don't know why he just was like that kind of, it's very tactile kid. So there was no one in his family that was connected to this profession. And so what he did is he literally looked up online. He like sort of made a Excel spreadsheet of 
machine shops in the area where he he lived, and he physically went to each of them or called them to sort of explain his situation. I have no experience. I'm not doing this full time. Like, this is kind of what I want to learn. And he got rejected a bunch. He got yeses from a couple. As he told me, he's like, Meredith, you know, I'm going in there as like a 16-year-old kid who just wants to learn a new skill. For these guys, this is their livelihood, right? So they don't have time to take their beta hourly. They don't have time to like show me the ropes because that's their money on the line. And just that alone taught him a lot, Mm -hmm. right? That alone taught him so much. And he learned a different kind of work ethic. And he learned some pretty cool skills. He made me a metal cube thing that I still have. It's very sweet. I love it. I mean, when it comes to extracurriculars, it's like the ideal scenario is that your kids come to you and they have all these interests and curiosities. Yeah. Right? There are plenty of teenagers who come to us and they're like, I don't know what I want to do. <laughs> yep. I want to make TikToks. <laughs> I'll play Vidges and I want to make TikToks. That's what I want to do. <laughs> so we understand that not all teenagers are coming to right. this with the same curiosity and <laughs> energy. <laughs> so what do you do if your kid is like, I don't know, I'm not interested in anything. So I do recommend getting your kids into stuff early yeah. so that, you know, before exposed. they, yeah, exposed to the stuff. It's not like force them to play soccer if they hate it, but let them try lots of different things. You know, let them know that it is a commitment for this length of time. Right. I think this commitment piece is huge. Not letting your kids quit right away is a very important lesson. Like, oh, I took two lessons and I hate it, so I don't want to do it anymore. I think that talking to your kids about the value that you have as a family around commitment Mm -hmm. and participation and intention is this is a great conversation to have and say, you know, we actually signed up for 10 lessons. So you're going to finish your 10 lessons. And when you finish your 10 lessons, we can talk about what we want to do next. So that's really important. The other thing is, if you have a kid who's just kind of like, meh, 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 I think it's great if you would model what it's like to have hobbies and extracurricular interests in your life, right? I have lots of kids who have hobbies and interests that are inspired by their parents because they see their parents playing music and being in an orchestra outside of their work or being a mom, right? Mm-hmm. Or doing art and pottery and whatever, like these types of just showing your kids that, hey, it's important to live a part of a whole rich life Mm -hmm. includes hobbies (laughs) and doing things that you don't get paid for. And it's for self edification. It's not for anything, right? right? You're not winning awards. You're not making money doing it. You're doing it just because you enjoy it and you're learning and growing as a human, even at, you know, 50 60. Who cares? You should be doing these always. things. Yeah, always, right? I'm like a 85-year-old rocking <laughs> some new hobby. I know. Me too. We'll be doing it together. So if you have kids who are kind of like, oh, I don't know what I want to do, you know, I would still say that the option is not, okay, well, then you don't have to do anything. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, good. that's not okay. I have had parents say to me like, well, then they just don't do anything. And I'm like, well, maybe this is – Something that you need to have a conversation around where it's not optional. Yeah, that's where we just – we recorded another episode today about boundaries, and that's, I think, a boundary. Because, again, it's not about the college process. It's about healthy development, Mm -hmm. right? In the same way that you wouldn't allow your child probably to just go years without brushing their teeth, 
right? Yeah. Or years without going because to the doctor. Because they don't want to. Well, I don't really want to. I don't really to. want to. Well. Too bad. Yeah. Some, some <laughs> it's the same. This is in service of their emotional and mental well-being in the long run to develop interests outside of academics. And that's just, you know, like it's kind of necessary. Here's a scenario. So one of the scenarios I run into a lot is tends to be mothers of boys who love to play video games. Ooh, the vidges. Right? I just want to play. We call them in our household, the vidges. The vidges. Yep. I was wondering what that was. I was like, <laughs> am I just like really slow on the uptake? We call, I mean, it, we call it vidges. I pride myself on sort of knowing the lingo. I was like, <laughs> what the? So what would you do in this scenario? You have a child who's mm-hmm. super interested mm-hmm. in video games. Cool. They like to play them a lot. They're in it in more than a recreational way. Yeah. But they're not so, maybe they play like once. They're not so interested in other things. Yeah. How would you address that as a parent? Well, I think that there's a a nuanced approach here because I think that a lot of parents, their instinct is going to be like, no video games, you only get 30 Mm -hmm. minutes a day. And that usually backfires. Yep. I think being curious about what is interesting about games. Is it because you have a community of people that you really enjoy? Is it because you get to problem solve in this game? Like, oh, are there other ways that we can develop your interest in this? Are there other ways to expand your understanding of this world that you're in? I have a student that actually is a a family friend who is part of a gaming league, Mm -hmm. like plays competitively. Big business. Yeah. You can make make career. You can make a lot of money. (laughs) But, you know, he loves it so much and he's part of this gaming league and they – it's a commitment. Like you have to go to tournaments and you are with this group of people and it's not casual playing. Like he's just playing for, for sport, right? Right. And I think that some parents – I give credit to his parents for being open to that instead of being like, that's such a waste of time. Why would you do that? Colleges aren't going to take that seriously. Like his parents really were open to this – expansion yeah. of his interest, which I think is actually really cool. And I think mm-hmm. colleges are going to think are cool too, honestly, because it's authentic and it's genuinely what he loves to do. And he's really freaking good at it. Yeah. So go be good at it too. And then on the flip side, I had a kid <laughs> not so good. at my high school who was not doing, he just basically stopped doing school because he was trying to get ranked Oh. For a game that he was playing. He was trying to become in like top 100 because if you become top 100, then potentially you start making money, blah, blah, blah. It was a whole thing. He had a whole strategy, a very detailed, well thought out strategy on how he was going to become this top ranked player in this game. And all of his grades were just in the shitter. And I was like, bro, first of all, do you want to graduate high school? Is that on the list of accomplishments that you would like to have before the end of the school year? Because at this point, you're not going to, Mm. right? And so in those situations, I think that as a parent, you need to step in and help your kid prioritize. For sure. Yeah. So there are situations where if if you notice your kids are like forsaking all other things to play video games, you need to step in. I love that approach because what your response was was meeting it with curiosity rather than judgment, rather than sort of this instant judgment that some activities are sort of inherently good or bad. And sure, there are some that are good or if their hobby is, you know, like vaping in the bathroom, that's bad. <laughs> but but Meredith, I'm trying to enter the vaping really smoke ring contest. I'm really trying to like <laughs> test my lung capacity. I'm doing some independent research on lung capacity, adolescence. The effects of vaping. The effects of vaping, of vaping on <laughs> adolescence. Adolescent brain? But yeah, so it's like, 
how could you help them think more creatively about ways to even deepen that pursuit or that passion and not impose upon them sort of some vision of what their extracurricular life should look like that yeah. maybe just doesn't fit your kid? I mean, I think it's yeah. to yeah. remember that each kid's different and, you know, like – my brother and I started playing piano at the same time with the same teacher. My brother is a professional musician, and I was like, uh, I want to go run outside. <laughs> yeah. As a result, I cannot play a musical instrument, and my brother is extremely talented. But nonetheless, like that's just but how you the cookie can beat, crumbles. But you can beat somebody up. Yes. I'm not sure how useful that is, but that's maybe it's true. useful in a street fight. I like to have you on my team. Just saying. <laughs> oh, that's true. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good in a fight. <laughs> The other question that I get a lot, and I think we'll close with this yeah. because this is another frequently asked question I get from parents all the time. My child has not done any community service, and is that uh, a problem? Because I think colleges need them to do community service. Is that true? Is it true, Meredith? <sighs> and nothing makes me more happy than when a child does the type of community service where it's you know thousands of miles away from their home where everything is planned for them because that's really serving your community. Oh, uh, you're talking about like I'm tourist, talking about tourist the, the tourist the luxury tourist service trip. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. Which I think there is I don't think that's an inherently bad thing. I think there's value in that, but I think we need to treat it a little differently than like literally doing something in your immediate area. It's not always the same. Okay, but your question no, I don't think you have to do community service, however people are defining that. However, I do think it's important for their development, but also colleges are recognizing that they're admitting students that are joining a community of people. And so part of why community service over the years has become a focal point is because it's a way to demonstrate things like oh, I don't know, I think about other people, I care about people who maybe are less resourced than I am, I am generous, I'm not all about myself and sort of only pursuing things that I want to pursue for me and only me. Mm -hmm. I can connect to larger ideas, to larger causes. I take from my community and I give back to my community because that's sort of the reciprocal relationship that I philosophically believe in. That's what These are my values. Yeah, it's yeah. a values thing. That's what that's measuring. I think, you and, know, I'll be real. Like when I worked in admission and I know you came from a super privileged background and all of your extracurricular profile was just you sort of doing more for you. And particularly if you read that way, also you kind of read egocentric. Mm -hmm. It made me question your fitness for our larger community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the point that I wanted to make was you do not, and I repeat, you do not need to start a nonprofit, oh. raise thousands of dollars. Please don't do that. <laughs> Please don't do that. You absolutely do not need to do that in order to look, quote unquote, impressive to colleges with your service work. Simply Helping a neighbor, working for a local organization is enough, right? I think that there's this idea. Frankly, that's more impressive. It is. Like, I mean, if we want to talk about what is impressive and what isn't. Like actually working with folks in your community, getting to know what the struggles of the community right. that you're trying to help getting, are. Right. Like that is so much more powerful than this more kind of detached 
and boutique service. Yeah, this this like fundraising philanthropic approach that we don't expect teenagers to have access to, right? Like philanthropy is for old rich people. <laughs> right. Right. I do not expect who sit on a boards. 16, who's right. Not, right. I don't right. expect a 16-year-old to start a nonprofit and raise Tens of thousands of dollars. Well, I, and more, moreover, like let's say, for example, we live in the Bay Area where there's tremendous, you know, housing inequity, wealth disparity. And let's say that educational child, disparity. educational disparity, like let's say the child like cares about that as a, you know, whatever, a topic. Working with some adult organization on like their annual gala to raise money for that is much less compelling. I'll just be straight. I mean, I think that's a useful thing. Those organizations need money to run. I'm not knocking that. But what I want is that 15-year-old to actually go talk to people who are unhoused and, like, understand and become more empathetic to the experience and backgrounds of Mm -hmm. people who are different from them and become more able to solve real problems with real solutions. You cannot do that unless you get proximate to difference. Brian Stevenson, Just Mercy, really great book. He talks all about getting proximate to difference. It's really important, I Mm. think. I think it's really healthy development if we want to raise good humans. And it looks more impressive to colleges. <laughs> it, it does look more impressive to colleges. And how do you get your kids? I think the question for parents, like, how do I get my kids more interested in that if they're not already thinking about it? And I think they need modeling. I think they yeah. need exposure to it. I think as a family. Do it as a family. Having service as part of your family values, giving back in ways that you're actually interacting with community members is really healthy and good for kids. Thinking about ways that they can start giving back at a really young age will just foster that mindset, right? It is hard if you've never, ever asked your kid to think about that and all of a sudden, like Mm -hmm. the only exposure they've had to giving is philanthropy where it's like, this gala that we attend because we're on the board and we give this much money and that's why we're having this big party like at our house or we're having a fundraiser. And yeah. I was like, if that's their only exposure to it, yeah. that's kind of their frame of how to approach service. But I mean, it could be really simple stuff. As a family, we do a beach cleanup twice a year. Yep. It could be, oh, I'm going to be pack, a teacher's assistant oh. at my school Yeah, or – it doesn't have to be complicated. You know, I'm going to babysit in my neighborhood. Like, these yeah. are all really yeah. straightforward. Frankly, there's an inverse relationship, I think, between perception of fancy and actual impressive yep. impact in the college process. Yeah, I think that that is so important, and it's especially around extracurriculars. I think there's this belief that bigger is better and more impressive. The yeah. You know, getting an internship at Google is going to look so impressive to this college. Well, when you're dad is like a VP at Google, it's not that impressive. Versus my student who literally is pounding the pavement. Yeah. Got into every single college that he applied to, matriculated to an Ivy League school. I received a call from that admission counselor about this kid saying like how impressed they were. You know, he rolled up his sleeves and he did stuff. Like he did shit. Well, you better be careful, Meredith, because everybody's trying to be machinist now. I give that... (laughs) Okay, everyone, everyone go join Marin Search and Rescue. Yeah, everybody's like, well, good man, luck with me, that training. That'll me, weed, that'll weed out some people. They're like, let me go write this all down. Wait, I, I gotta to learn how to weld. weld. <laughs> I need to my metal work, my meteorology. But it 
it's a, like the most impressive kids. Like they're authentically pursuing their interests. We should do that. Name some activities. I know we're at a little out of time, but like name some, like a couple of things you've you've seen kids do that you're just like people wouldn't necessarily think of or expect that are super cool. Oh well, I think working a job. One of the kids yeah. that I love the most loved his job at Target. Mm-hmm. I might have mentioned this in another episode. Another kid that I talked to many years ago was dumpster diving over the summer and like repurposing stuff to sell. Oh. <laughs> I thought it was really cool. cool. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? He's like, yeah, I read an article about how people are like throwing away a bunch of stuff that's really usable. And so I just like spent the summer dumpster diving and finding stuff that I could fix. And I was like, I like that. That's cool. <laughs> that's cool. And it's like a, you know, it's not an activity. No. Right? Yeah. I had a student make a aquaponics. because they were just really they were so and they're so into sustainable stuff and really curious so they did that Uh, i I kid kid who's woodworking and actually like as an adult now like has a side business woodworking like wanted to learn how to use crazy equipment for his senior project and actually just kept it up and was like I'm keep. I'm still I do doing it. love when teenagers learn how to use power tools. Yeah, <laughs> I actually do think that's really cool. Anyway, hopefully we've answered some of your questions about extracurricular activities, how to think about them, how to approach that with your children, and of course, as always, if you have questions, if you have feedback, let, let us, us know. know. That's another episode, folks.